I have a text line where I send out a free daily motivation text to everyone in my community every morning. If you want to get that text, text me at this number right now, 305-384-6894, 305-384-6894, straight to your phone, free, everyday, daily motivation. Send me a text right now. Multiplying your results does not require doing more work. Stayallday.com. Stay exceptional. Work on your game. I like the approach. Work on your fucking game. Everybody has, relates to what Dre's saying in a different way. Work on your game. I like the way he thinks. Work on your fucking game. I like the frameworks that he's put together. Work on your game. And I would highly recommend it to anybody that's trying to work on their game. Work on your fucking game. I think it's a good approach. It's a different approach, too. Hey, you, work on your game. You gave me something really good. Work on your game. DreOlDay.com. And his philosophy makes a lot of sense. Not only work on your game, perfect your craft. Work on your game. He knows how to communicate in such a fabulous way. I can't say it enough. Work on your game. Many people have asked me, Dre, do you do any form of coaching? Answer is yes. I have two coaching programs open, as a matter of fact. First, my one-on-one coaching program is my third day mastermind. For those of you who want one-on-one personalized attention, where it's just you and I, we talk specifically about your goals, your challenges, where you want to go business professional-wise, where you're trying to get to, where you're at, what type of changes need to happen, whether those are tangible changes, intangible changes, starting with the being, then the doing. Of course, we got to get to the measurable havings. That is in my third day mastermind. My other coaching program is my Bulletproof Mastermind. That is my group coaching program where I will help you have clear, duplicatable systems for yourself and for your business and the discipline to execute. And I will help you make sure you have all of that stuff in place in 30 days or less. And then you're going to stick around the program even when you have your systems in place so that you can build your network so that you can connect with other people so that you can trade for services so that you can make those phone calls and send a text message and get problems handled that you otherwise don't need to be handling yourself or would not be able to handle yourself. That is in my group program called the Bulletproof Mastermind. You can get information and join either program by going to workonyourgameuniversity.com right now. Again, that is workonyourgameuniversity.com for my one-on-one coaching or my group coaching program. For one-on-one, you hop on a Zoom call with me so we can talk about who you are, where you're at, and how we can get started. And the group coaching program, you can sign up right there on the website right now. Both programs, all information, all details, and get started by going to workonyourgameuniversity.com. You are now tuned in to the show where you learn the discipline to show up day after day to do the work, the confidence to put yourself out there boldly and authentically, and the mental toughness to continue showing up, doing the work, putting yourself out there, even when the success you expected to achieve has yet to be achieved. And on top of all this, you get a huge dose of personal initiative. What is that? That's the go-getter energy that moves all of us, including yourself, to go make things happen instead of waiting for things to happen. Then we put all this together into a series of frameworks, approaches, insights, strategies, techniques, and mentalities, all under one umbrella of one unifying philosophy that is called work on your game. My name is Dre Baldwin, also known as Dre All Day, and welcome to the show. And today's topic is how to ask the right questions. Yes, there is a skill to asking the right questions. Question asking is not just some random lottery. Just ask things and hopefully you land on the right question. There is a skill to doing this. There's a process to doing it. And there's a way to know you're asking the right questions. First of all, before we get to this, let me tell you, I send a daily motivation text every day. 
you would like to receive that. I think you would want to receive it. If you knew what I was sending out every day, then you would definitely, you would go be getting it right now. You'd be texting me, don't even know the number. Let me tell you the number. My number is 305-384-6894. Every day I'll send you a message to keep you focused, sharp, and on point mentally every single day, straight to your phone, free of charge. That number is also down below in the show notes, daily motivation text. Now, asking the right questions. I talked about this a lot in episode 1177. That topic was insight. And insight is all about making sure that instead of you working harder, you're working smarter. Instead of getting more information, you're getting better at multiplying your efforts. And the title of episode 1177 is Insight, the key to going from 1x to 10x. The challenge for a lot of us is that we create our successes. First, when we first start building our success, we usually do it by 1xing. What I mean by 1xing is you do something, you get that much results. Then you do something else, you get that much results. You do something else, you get that much results, and you're adding or you're going in addition. But when you start leveraging insights, and if you leverage it the way that I explained in episode 1177, and I'm going to talk about in this episode as well, you start 10xing your results. In other words, and I'm using 1x and 10x as metaphors, you start multiplying your efforts. In other words, instead of doing one unit of work and getting one unit of results as you did before, now you do one unit of work and you get five units of results. You do three units of work and you get 20 units of results. You do 20 units of work, you get a thousand units of results. You start multiplying your efforts and that requires insight. It does not require, multiplying your results does not require doing more work. It requires doing more or having more insight and utilizing that insight so that the same efforts can produce more return on investment. That is what insight is all about. And one of the keys to insight is asking the right questions. Many times people set themselves up for failure or success through the questions that they ask, not even the answers to the questions, but the questions themselves. And I'm going to explain exactly what I mean here in today's class. So let's get straight into it. Point number one, the topic once again is how to ask the right questions. First thing is you must know what result you are after. If you don't know what your result, your desired result is, it does not matter what questions you ask and it does not matter how or if you answer them because you have no, you have no North Star, you have no goal, you have no target. You need to know what you're going after before you ask the questions. When you have the wrong target result or you don't have a target result, then again, the question doesn't matter because it's going to lead you somewhere that you have no idea if this is getting me closer or further away from my goal because there is no goal. People often get this part wrong and therefore they ask the wrong questions. They don't know what result they're after, so they ask the wrong questions. I'll give you an example. Every year around between October and December, I get a lot of comments and messages from basketball players because I have a lot of, obviously from you no know, back in my basketball days, I got, a lot, I got a lot of basketball content on the internet, but specifically I have a lot of content where I talk about basketball tryouts because this is the time of year when basketball teams, high school and college, having their tryouts and they're starting their seasons. So because I personally, I tried out for my high school team four times, I only made it the fourth time. And then in college, I had to walk on to even get on the team initially in college. So a lot of players, when they found out that about my backstory, they asked me about what was my mentality or what was the strategies that I employed during basketball tryouts so that I could successfully make teams, even though I had failed at it previously. So I made all these, I have all these videos on YouTube that are specifically on the subject of basketball tryouts, how to perform there, how to get mentally ready for it, what to do, what are coaches looking for, all of this stuff. So anything about basketball tryouts, 
I've written about. I even wrote a book called 30 Days to Tryouts, How to Get Yourself Ready for Your Next Basketball Team Tryout in 30 Days or Less. You can get that book at hoophandbook.com. So anyway, around this time every year, I get a bunch of basketball players asking or commenting or sharing something about basketball tryouts. And I'll get players who will say something like, Dre, in order for me to make the basketball team at my school, I need to be a scorer. I need to score a whole lot of points like Steph Curry, like Michael Jordan, like Kobe Bryant. So, Dre, how can I score more points? That's the question that they ask. This is a bad question. Let me tell you why this is a bad question, because this question is based on an incorrect, inaccurate assumption. The assumption is I need to score a lot of points in order to make the basketball team. Now, how am I able to tell a player that this is an incorrect assumption? Because if you really think about it logically, every basketball team is unique. This is something that I tell players. When I get players who come to me and say, well, Dre, what do I need to do to make the basketball team? Which is a better question, but it's still not the best question because every basketball team is unique. How many basketball teams are there in the world? Thousands, hundreds of thousands, maybe millions, maybe. Every team's different. Every team is led by a coach and every coach is unique. Most basketball coaches aren't coaching multiple teams. Actually, some of them might be, but most teams have a different coach and each coach is a different person. And each of those people is a human. And just like me and you, humans have their own wiring and their own differences. And even though we're playing the same sport, not every coach is looking for the same thing. And every team has different personnel. So on my team, I might already have four of the most important roles filled and I have three more that need to be filled, but they may be completely different from the roles that the coach in the next town needs filled on his team. So if you try out for my team and try out for his team, we're looking for two completely different things. And we may have completely different ways of expressing that. We might tell you, I might not tell you. I might just want to look at you and decide if you can fill the role or not without even telling you what I'm looking for. And I have a right to that because I'm the coach and I'm in charge and each of us can do it differently. So there really is no general answer that to a question that specific of what you need to do to make the basketball team. And this is why my material on basketball tryouts has been so popular over the years, simply because I could explain this, I could articulate it and help players understand what are some universal things that they can do and prepare for that will help them no matter who the person in charge is. And if you happen to be a basketball player or know someone who has a tryout coming up, look me up on YouTube and I'll show you exactly what I mean. But the point is here, this asking, well, how can I score more points so I can make the team is a bad question because it's based on the false assumption that you need to score points. Because on a basketball team, there's only one ball. Everybody can't be a scorer. Or you can't have five Kobe's on the same basketball team because it's not going to work. All right, if, if you have a Kobe, you need some people who will set the screen so Kobe can shoot the ball. You need some people who will guard the best player on the other team so that Kobe doesn't have to use all his energy on defense. You need someone who can pass the ball to Kobe, someone who can grab the rebounds when he misses because Kobe actually factually leads the NBA all time in missed shots. He's missed more shots than anybody in the history of the NBA. So you need people to fill other roles. Scoring points is not the only role on a basketball team. It might be the most visible and most prominent role, but it's not the only role. So when a player asks me, well, how can I score more points to make the basketball team? It's based on a false assumption. To make the team, what you actually need to do, and this is true, I don't care who the coach is, you need to do something. You need to show that you can do something that the coach needs on that team. That's how you make a basketball team. Show the coach something that they want for their team. That is a universal truth. So the correct question is, instead of asking how can I score points, is Dre, how can I show the coach that I can do something that they need? And I've never been asked that question by a player, believe it or not. The first step, if someone did ask this question, and I already explained this in videos, so maybe that's why nobody ever asked it. The first step is finding out what the coach wants. And this is a 
relative situation because the coach you play for in your last town is not the same coach as the one in the town that you live in now. What they wanted and what this coach wants are completely different things, maybe. If you cannot get that specific information, then sometimes the coach will be open about it. Sometimes they're not. Knowledge about how the game works can help you out. Because if you understand how the game works, which I do, and that's why I've been able to explain it, I can tell players, well, listen, here are roles that need to be filled on every basketball team, regardless of who's playing. Every team needs somebody who can put the ball in the basket. Every team needs someone who can spread the floor and make outside shots. Every team needs someone who can handle the ball and get the team into their offense and protect the ball without turning it over. Every team needs someone who can be a defensive stopper and guard the best scorer on the other team. Every team needs someone who can control the area around the basket, grab rebounds and block shots and not allow the the lane to just be a wide open yellow brick road to easy layups and dunks for the other team. Every team needs players who can do these things. So if you can fill one of those roles, and I listed a few others in some of my YouTube videos, you would give yourself a really, really, really good chance of making any basketball team because every team needs that person even if you don't know who else is on the team, even if you don't know who the coach is. So the correct question is, what are the things that are universal that can get me on any basketball team? That way, no matter who you're playing for, you can make the team. This is where knowledge of the game helps you out. And that knowledge of the game is an insight that allows me to ask the right question. You following what I'm saying here? In basketball, there's only one ball. So again, you can't have everybody trying to score 30. You need rebounders, passers, defenders, you know, do everything players. So the question then is, here's the best question. Which role do I, as a basketball player, best fill that I know is a universal role for every basketball team? So that means any team I try out for, I'm going to show that I can fill role X because I know every team needs someone to fulfill role X. That is the better question. You do that, you can make the team. I'll give you another example. Let's say someone wants to get a, a home loan. They want to get a loan so they can buy a house. And they might say something like, here's a bad question. They will say, well, I can't get a home loan to buy a house simply because at my current salary, or maybe they don't have a current salary, maybe they're in between jobs. At my current salary, I'm not making enough money to get a loan. So I'm not even going to try because to get a home loan, I need to be making a certain amount of money. This is a false assumption and it's not even a question, but let's just call this a, it was categorized this as a bad question because it's a question that you're asking yourself. You might be saying, well, how can I get a job that pays me enough money? that I would qualify to get a loan. Well, let's back up here because you're making an assumption that that's the only way to get a loan. But we all know if any of you has been around for this century, you know that that's not the only way to get a loan. Around 2007, 2008, a lot of people got loans not based on how much money they were making. They got loans based on a lot of other stuff and it led to a lot of bad stuff down the line. Can, can I get a witness from the congregation? So let's back up here and make sure we are, make sure we're not making false assumptions and then uh, blocking ourselves off from other possibilities. It is not necessarily true. You need to be making a lot of money from a job to get a home loan. To get a loan, here's what is true. You need a loan officer whose need to sell that loan to you, and yes, this is sales, is stronger than their reason to not give it to you. That's it. Let me say it again. And I want you to understand this has nothing to do with home loans or making a basketball team. If neither of these apply to you, it's not about those things. What I want you to understand, I want you to notice the wording. I want you to notice the, the way that I'm going, to a, I'm going to a higher level. I'm going above the detail. And let's make sure we understand the principle of what actually needs to happen for us to get a certain result. Note if you get a home loan, what you need, and this applies to anyone. I don't care if you're making a million dollars a day or you have no income whatsoever. 
for you to get a home loan, here's what you need. The person who is selling you that loan, their need to sell to you is stronger than their reason to not sell to you. When that happens, you get the loan. Doesn't matter how much you're making. So you see how asking a better question and changing the way that you approach a situation changes the entire thing. It gives you a whole different set of possibilities and it causes you to think in a completely different way. This is why it's really important how you put words together. And it's very important the kind of questions that you're asking yourself because so many of us offer ourselves disempowering questions and we give ourselves limiting assumptions that limit our possibilities when the assumptions are not even true. Many of you right now are not doing the thing that you want to do in life. You are not being who you want to be in life. and You don't have what you want to have in life, not because you are incapable and not because you need to put more time in. It's simply because you have decided to indoctrinate yourself with some false assumptions that are not even accurate and you're living out those false assumptions. And until someone can point them out to you or you can point them out to yourself, you're going to keep living these false assumptions and keep not having what you want to have in life, not doing what you want to do and not being who you want to be, all based on false information. That's a damn shame. Let's move on to point number two. Today's topic, once again, is how to ask the right questions, or we could even call this better questions. Challenge your assumptions, as we just did in point number one. Challenge your assumptions. Let me tell you something about people who get ahead in life. Smart people, wise people, high achieving individuals. They are always challenging their assumptions. There's nothing wrong with making an assumption. The only thing is wrong is when you believe an assumption and it turns out that the thing that you're assuming is not even accurate. So you're living your life based on a lie. That's what's wrong. You can have an assumption, just challenge that assumption. Let me make sure that this is true. And then when you can confirm or verify that an assumption is true, then it's fine to keep that assumption. That was a belief because you proved it. But many of us, there's another mistake. We get an assumption in our mind. Then we do some bullshit analysis of that assumption that to verify what we already believe, we call this confirmation bias. We have bias to confirm what we already believe. Don't do the right type of analysis of our assumption and then say, well, I know it's true because this, when your because this is not even accurate either. So this is what happens to a lot of people. You get one false assumption, maybe something that you came up with on your own, usually not, usually something you got from a parent or from someone who you respect, someone whose word you want to listen to, or maybe it just confirms something that you wanted to believe already. And then you live your whole life based on that assumption. Then you make other assumptions based on the first bullshit assumption. And then your whole life is built on this whole foundation of bullshit, inaccurate, false assumptions. And you're the only one who doesn't know. You're the only one who doesn't notice. And then when someone tries to point it out to you, you argue with them and defend your false assumptions that are built on bullshit simply because you have been indoctrinating yourself with the bullshit for so long that you don't even realize that it's bullshit. Have I described anybody? So the second point is challenging your assumptions. Here's what you do to challenge your assumptions. Ask yourself the following. Is there another question and answer combination that can still produce the desired result? So you have a certain result in your mind that you think you can achieve based on you have a certain result that you think you can achieve. Now ask yourself, okay, is there another way to go about this aside from the way that I'm thinking about right now? All right, you want to get a home loan and you thought, your assumption was, okay, the only way I can get a home loan is I need to be making this much per year for my salary and I need to have some pay stubs to prove it. Now, even if that may be true, because maybe you know somebody, they got a home loan and they were making X amount. Now you want to get a home loan, so you need to make X amount so you can do the same thing they did. So you have some proof that that is actually true. And I'm not saying that it's not. 
Here's what I'm saying. Is that the only truth? Is there another way to get to that same outcome without doing the same thing that that person did? If you're not sure of the answer, then it's your job to challenge your assumption and not think that the one thing that you know about, the one way you know about achieving outcome X is the only way to achieve outcome X. That's what I mean when I say challenging your assumptions. Someone who's really good at this, they built a whole career around it. There's a guy by the name of Tim Ferriss. He wrote the book, The Four Hour Work Week. He did The Four Hour Chef and The Four Hour Body. And this is one of the things that this is kind of one of the, the thesis of Tim's whole uh, writing conglomerate is he talks about this all the time. He doesn't always say it in so many words, but he says this. Is there another way to achieve this outcome without having to do the traditional beliefs of whatever the things are? This is why he had that's why he called his book the four hour. So is there a way for me to live for me to live free to make a full time income and you know, take care of myself and pay all my bills without having to work? 80 hour weeks like many people do in business. And that was the thesis of what led to his book called The Four Hour Work Week. And that's the book that made him famous. Then he did the same thing with physicality, with uh, your physical and your health and nutrition. Is there a way for me to get ripped and have big muscles and be really strong without having to spend an hour or two hours in the gym every single day like those big muscle guys who come to the gym with a with all that chalk and a, a gallon jug of water and they're yelling and grunting every time they lift something, is there a way for me to get big muscles like them or at least get 80% of their muscles without putting in anywhere close to the same amount of time that they put in? Is there a way for me to shortcut this process? Can I hack getting into my best physical shape? And his that good question led to an entire book called The 4-Hour Body. And that book is not just about lifting weights. It's also about, he talked about testosterone in there. He talks about sex in there. He talks about a lot. He talks about mindset. He talks about sleep all in that book. I'm helping sell this book for Tim. So Tim, you owe me a, some affiliate commission. And then he did a book called The Four Hour Chef, which is not necessarily about cooking. That book is about learning. Is there a way for me to learn certain things without having to go to school for four years or go get a medical degree or having to put all this time in like many learned people did? Is there a way for me to get the same knowledge or at least get 80% of their knowledge without having to put in anywhere close to the same amount of time? And in answering the question, he wrote an entire book about it. So this is what I mean when I say challenging your assumptions is asking a question. Is this the only way to do it? Is there another way? Is there something that I'm not paying attention to? Every time you can think of a different way of approaching the same problem, even if you think you have the solution, every different way you can think of means new options for approaching that problem at hand. So my question to you is, how many assumptions are you making versus how much solid verified information you have? Let me say that one more time. And I'll explain it. How many assumptions are you making versus how much solid verified information you have? Here's the thing. Many people are making assumptions with zero solid verified information. They just make an assumption, believe they allow that assumption to solidify into a belief that they are willing to argue about, get emotional about and defend, even though there is no solid verified information on which they can stand that assumption slash belief. How many of you am I describing right now? That many of you probably couldn't even recognize this thing yourself, let alone would you admit it. How many people can you see it? In? Let me, that's a better question. See, let me ask you a better question. How many assumptions do you have about life, about business, about people, about anything that you have no verified information on? Maybe you have a few anecdotes. Maybe you have a few examples that Back up your assumption. Examples do not prove arguments, but I did it. I think I did a whole episode on that. If I didn't, then I'll make sure that I do. Let me see if I have that. 
No, I did not. So I'm going to do a whole episode just on that topic right there. I thought I did it already. I didn't, but I will. So let me tell you all, I've said this before, but I'm going to do an episode on this topic. Examples do not prove arguments. In other words, if you have an assumption that everybody from this city is this type of person, and then you know five people from that city who are that type of person, that does not prove it. Those are just examples. Examples and anecdotes and experiences, lived experiences, do not prove arguments. Yes, you heard me correctly. You do not prove an argument through a lived experience, through an example, or through an anecdote. So if I say something like, one day when I was a kid, two boys with hoodies on followed me home from school and they stole some candy from me. Therefore, because I experienced that and because I know three people who had the same thing happen to them, that means every time you see two boys with hoodies on, they're going to try to steal something from you. Hey, it's my lived experience. It did literally happen. That did happen in my life. I saw it happen. That is true. That is an anecdote. That is an experience. That is an example. Does that prove that every time somebody with hoodies on comes around, they're going to steal something from me? Absolutely not. Everybody follows that. And it, it makes sense now that I'm saying it this way. But let me ask you this. How many experiences, lived experiences you have in your life that might have happened even more than once that you have allowed those experiences to solidify into beliefs that anytime this happens, that means this is going to happen. And it's bullshit because, as I just told you, examples do not prove arguments. Are you assuming answers that may or may not be true based on your experience of life? And let me remind everybody of something. There are 8 billion people on the planet. How many of them do you know? Studies say the average person knows between 750 and 1,000 people. Do you know what percentage that is of 8 billion? Is a, a very small one. Let's put it that way. I'm telling you that to tell you this. Your little tiny experience of life and each one of our personal experiences of life is very, very small compared to the entirety of the world. You and my and everybody else's little tiny personal experience of life does not represent all of life. So your experiences, anecdotes, examples do not prove an assumption. So do not ever try to defend an assumption with an example that you saw or that somebody told you about. That does not prove a point. And we're going to do a whole episode on that. So let me not go too deep into that just yet. Don't assume answers that may or may not be true. Uh, and this is going to require your critical thinking skills, which I covered in episodes 1826 and 1827. What assumptions are you making that have not been questioned? The more assumptions you use as the foundation for a conclusion, the higher the likelihood the entire thing will fall apart the first time some wind blows on it. Now, it's a house of cards. When one assumption, if you build a belief on several assumptions, the first assumption that gets proven wrong, now the entire thing has to be reworked because that that's part of your foundation. That whole thing's going to fall apart because you have an assumption there that hasn't, hasn't been proven. So this is really requires some self-discipline on your part to look at a situation and ask yourself, are, am I making assumptions here or do I have actual information? And those are two different things. Point number three, today's topic, once again, is how to ask the right questions. All of this boils down to you having the discipline to think logically instead of thinking emotionally. My question then is, how often are you doing this? How often are you looking at a situation logically, dispassionately, removing your emotion and what you want to believe from the situation and looking at the situation as it is? And many of you, and I want to harp on this point right here. Many of you think you're looking at a situation as it is when what you're really looking at is what you want to believe. Those are two different things. How do you know when you're looking at which? Are you thinking logically or emotionally? Ask yourself the following questions next time you feel like you have come to a conclusion. 
especially one that's the conclusion that you wanted to come to from the beginning. What are you not seeing? What are you not seeing? What obvious things may you be ignoring? What are you pretending to not notice? What are you ignoring simply because you don't want to see that because it would challenge your assumptions and beliefs? Just keep in mind something, people. Emotions cloud logic. The more emotional you are, the harder it is to think logically. When we are being emotional, we lose access to the logical side of our brains. And what we do when we're being emotional is that we create. The human brain is very good at this. We will craft justifications for whatever story our emotion has sold to us. Let me repeat that one. When we are emotional, we lose full access to the logical side of our brain. And we will come up with a logical, not logical, excuse me, with easily defendable justifications for whatever story our emotion has already sold to us. And your emotions are better salespeople than your logic, by the way. That's why you got to keep your emotions in check. I told you that you're in the emotional management business in episode number 560. You must learn to keep your emotions in check. In episode 1781, I told you how to emotionally detach and still produce results. You must learn to manage your emotions in life because your emotions will shout down your logic. And sometimes that can be a good thing, but many times it can be a bad thing. Remember that emotions are great gas pedals, but they're terrible steering wheels. You want to steer with your logic and you want to press the gas with your emotion, not the other way around. So the best way for you to get help at this point here is to talk to other people who are not as close to the situation as you are. And therefore, they are not emotionally invested in the outcome like you are. They will help you see things with more clarity and less emotion. This is the value of having people in your life who don't need to be your friend. I talked about this in episode 1031, the value of not friends in your life, people who do not need to please you, people who do not need you to be happy with them, people who do not need to tell you something that you want to hear, but people who have the space and enough respect from you, they can tell you what you need to hear and that you'll actually listen. How many people do you have like that in your life? When's the last time somebody told you something that you needed to hear and not what you wanted to hear? When's the last time that happened? I don't care who it was. When was the last time somebody told you something that you needed to hear? I'm talking about someone who you know personally. I don't mean on the internet. Someone who knows you directly and told you something that might not have been too pleasing to you in the moment, not too pleasant for you to listen to when they said it, but they told it to you and you listened to them. When's the last time that happened? Many of you can't answer the question because you don't have anyone in your circle who is capable of doing this. First of all, you don't have anyone who's capable, you don't have anyone who's willing, and you are not a willing listener to anyone who might tell you something like that. So it's not just their fault, it's your fault because you choose your friends, right? I mean, they didn't choose to come around you, you chose to be around them. So who do you have around you who could actually tell you something about yourself that you don't want to hear? And when's the last time they did? Those people, when you get around them, they will help you see with more clarity and less emotion. And if you don't have any people like this around you, this is why you do things like join mastermind groups. This is why you get coaches. This is why you go to events so that you can get connected with these type of people. My Bulletproof Mastermind is exactly this type of place. Uh, do I sound like the type of person who would tell you what you need to hear? Then you should join my Bulletproof Mastermind because I will. I'll tell you to your face well, on Zoom. And in front of everybody, I will tell you, not in a way to tear you down, but in a way just to let you know. But this is what you need to understand. I understand what you're thinking and what you're feeling. But this is not about feelings, because right now we're talking about something that's more logical. All right, let's focus on the logic here. And I'm going to tell you what you need to hear, whether you want to hear it or not, because that's my job. And a link to the Bulletproof Mastermind is down below in the description at Work On Your Game University. But let's recap today's class, and then I'll tell you about that in a second. 
topic once again is how to ask the right questions. This is related to episode 1177 on insight. Number one, know the result that you're after. When you have the wrong target result or even better, no target result, then you will ask the wrong questions. People often get this part wrong and they set themselves up for failure by asking themselves the wrong question. Do not make assumptions. And if you do make assumptions, make sure you challenge them, which leads us to point number two. Challenge your assumptions. Is there another way to get to the same desired result? Is there another question or answer that I am ignoring that would actually help me be more efficient in solving this challenge? Make sure that you are not assuming answers that may or may not be true. Many of us do this. We assume things to be true or not true. We allow those assumptions to calcify into beliefs. And then we go out into the world and repeat these beliefs and defend these beliefs, even though they're based on false assumptions. And we're the last ones to find out that we're we're the people with the bad information. The more assumptions you use as a foundation for a conclusion, the higher likelihood the entire your entire edifice of thinking will fall apart. And most people would rather die on the hill of believing bullshit than admit that they had some false assumptions in their mind. Point number three. Think logically instead of emotionally. This is the emotional management challenge. What are you not seeing? What obvious things are you ignoring? What are you pretending to not notice? Emotions are great at clouding your logic. When we're being emotional, we lose access to the logical side of our thinking. We create justifications for any story that our emotion has created for us. And the best way to get help with this is to get around people who are capable, willing, and skilled enough to tell you what you need to hear and not just what you want to hear. My question to you is, Who in your life fills that role? If you don't have anyone, then you need to fill it ASAP because I guarantee you, you have some assumptions in your head right now that are leading you towards the road. They're leading you down the road of bullshit and you're the only one who doesn't know. So with all this said, get my daily motivation text every day straight to your phone free of charge. My number is 305-384-6894. And if you want someone who does have those elements in place to tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear so that you can challenge your own assumptions, get your assumptions challenged, and then challenge them yourself because you still have to say it to you regardless of what I say to you. Join my Bulletproof Mastermind. I do a live training every single week, everybody in the community. And we have a members-only community where there's ongoing discussions and discussion going on right now in our Bulletproof Mastermind community. You want to be a part of it. I want you to be in it. This is for people who are serious about taking themselves and their careers to the next level through some hard truths, some hard assumptions, and really taking a hard look, long look at yourself and what you're doing. You can join it by going to workonyourgameuniversity.com. Work on your game. Dre all day. I want you to send a text to this number, 305-384-6894. That is my direct text number. When you text me there, you'll be part of my texting community. And that means you're going to be receiving my daily motivation text, which I send out every single day to keep you sharp focused and mentally on point for the day in front of you. Send me a text at this number 305-384-6894. One more time, 305-384-6894. Get daily motivation.